0: Welcome to El Fumar Takes. This is our 176th take, live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Euless, Texas. I'm your host, Bear DuPlessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is gonna be a fantastic show. Mostly because I have my voice now, now that I'm back from Las Vegas at the PCA 2021. And I'm so thrilled to sit down with my guest tonight. But before we get to proper introductions, we do have to thank the people that make this show possible. And that, of course, is our sponsors. Tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. This year marks the 25th anniversary of Drew Estate and the rebirth of cigars movement. To celebrate this momentous occasion, this company is inviting you, consumers, retailers, cigar media, and everyone alike, to an, its epic blowout birthday bash entitled DE25. DE25 will be held on the 25th of September at South Fork Ranch in Parker, Texas. Yep, yeah, that's just a stone's throw away from my house right here in the DFW metropolitan area. The DE25 celebration will include the unveiling of Drew Estate's newest brands with a first-to-experience approach for consumers and trade partners to light. Buy your tickets today at drewestate.com DE25. Yes, Buy your tickets today, right now. Go to drewestate.com slash D25, and I'll see you there on September 25th. Well, welcome, everyone. This is our 176th take, and I am so pleased, so proud, and so privileged to be. And welcome in our guest tonight, sponsored by United Cigars. Smoke one today and start living united. Mr. Michael Herklotz of Ferriotego. Michael, how are we doing tonight?
1: What is happening, my friend? You know, I have to tell you, I got two issues here. Number one, I think I liked you without the voice, better than with the voice, but that's all right. <laughs> I blow your thing, drums. Though,
0: I'm sorry. Second
1: thing I have to tell you, when I was on with you just about a year ago, I made the fatal mistake of not dressing for the occasion. From my dining room, I showed up in full on COVID gear and you had put on a sports jacket, ready to do this interview. And so I said to myself, yes. well, there is absolutely no way I'm gonna repeat that mistake again. And so I got all dressed up. Yes. Bro.
0: Yes, I know. I let I let I let you down. In fact, the heat of Texas lets you down. It's like it's like a hundred degrees outside with like eighty percent humidity. So I I I I I'm sorry. Understood. I, not at all. I, I not I, at I, all.
1: We're even now. We're even. From one of these on, days we'll get together on the wardrobe thing. That's it. From now on, I think we just need to coordinate ahead of time. I,
0: I, it's the only the response it's the responsible thing to do it's the responsible thing to do michael i'm so pleased that you could join me tonight thank you so much and, and uh, i heard you i heard you even making a, a sentiment about that on on coop show when you guessed back in uh, i think it was november or december or so um about about uh about uh, the dressing up too because that was the first time you had actually worn a tie on that on show coop, it yeah. might
1: actually have been one of the last times i wore a tie too but um yeah, that's right. I, I did, uh, I did get all dressed up for coops and it was in fact, the first time I wore a tie and it was, it felt great. Really. It was nice to, you know, if you think back to when that was, that really was kind of in the, the throes of, of craziness. So it was nice to get dressed up and, uh, and feel like, feel like I was returning to some level of normalcy.
0: Feel like normal again. Well, the, uh, the, the good thing is, is that, um, well, we are keeping a couple of things consistent on this show. You know, I'm I'm smoking again, unfortunately. You're not able to because it's it's raining where you're at. But uh, so at least we're we're keeping some things on uh, same some things the same. So that's right.
1: Okay. And we're gonna but, have a great show. And, that's and we are see. gonna have
0: a great show. And I'm I'm excited because we're gonna kick things off with a little surprise, Michael. I've got a little something in store for you. So if you'll just permit me for one second, everybody, we're gonna go ahead and. Uh, we're going to actually welcome somebody else here for just a moment, and he won't be staying long, but uh, we're, uh, we're welcoming in an additional guest tonight for just a moment here, so. This ought to be interesting. So uh, without further ado, everybody, uh, welcome in Mr. Oh, he, of course, he's wearing the jacket, too. I feel like a schlup. Okay.
2: <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Will Cooper of Cigar Coop. Uh, how are you, Coop? Hey Bear, how you doing? Hey Michael, how you doing? What's going on, Coopster? Hey, what's going on? Uh, Bear, let's get right into it, right? Absolutely. We got a okay, surprise so, in store for you, Michael. All right. So Michael, um, there's an expression, you have one job to do and do it. Um, and at the trade show, I did not do my job on something. Um, so we were, you know, we were multitasking, doing a bunch of things. Basically, I forgot to give you something at the trade show, and um, it was my fault because. I was I messed up, but we wanted to uh, award you. I would have rather have done this in person, but this is the next best thing. We wanted to award you tonight, Michael, uh, the primetime award for person of the year. That is
1: very, very nice.
2: Right. So, uh, you know, this was an award that was selected not just by me, but uh, Bear Duplessis and Aaron Loomis. uh, We all had equal voting in this thing, Uh, Michael. You know, the job you did last year, I think, during a very difficult year um, for you, probably personally and the cigar industry, um, was handled with class and dignity. Namely, you, you know, you had to bring uh, at the time a close to the business of Nat Sherman International. Um, when we voted on this award, we did not know about Ferri Otego. So there was no Ferry Otego when we had the final ballots cast. In fact, when we gave you the award, I think it was a week or two after Ferry Otego. Um, the other thing I think we really want to point out, Michael, is another thing that you did, and I know Bear really took notice of this as well as I did early on. When this whole lockdown started, you were kind of the first person in the industry to really start using virtual technology to connect to people, to start you know, connecting to your friends. You were doing those Instagram live things. You were the first, and I really think you were the trendsetter with that. I think a lot of people took notice, and a lot of people in the industry started producing content because of that. And it was a, it was a, it was, if there was a silver lining, I think that was one thing we had last year to do that was very positive as well. With both these things, we want to award you the person of the year. That's why I was asking for your address. <laughs> um, and I was asking, hey, you're going to be there tomorrow. And, and unfortunately, you know, you did have to fly out, so I did have to give this to you personally. Um, But we're rewarding it to you now. I'll get your address. This will be in the mail um, when you get back.
1: Awesome. That's really, really cool. Thank you for that. And to everyone who voted, it was, um, yeah, it was, (laughs) someone said it in the booth. And I said, uh, I said, you know, how were the last, how were the last 18 months for you? And they said, not ideal. And I thought that was like the perfect uh, summary of the last 18 months. I mean, here we are, we got through it but the reality was not ideal, really not ideal at all. Um, but, you know, winding down the business was, uh, was not a fun thing to do, but it was something that was necessary. And, and I appreciate the words you used. We tried to maintain the same level of, of dignity and and elegance that we grew the business with to wind down the business. And, uh, and certainly wasn't just me. It was, it was the whole team uh, who stuck it out right to the end.
2: So, uh, I certainly appreciate that recognition that's awesome uh and it's beautiful that there's a rebirth now in process mm-hmm. and a whole lot more to look forward to so i mean we're i i think we speak for i know I speak for bear and myself I can speak for a lot of people that we are all very excited. We were thrilled to see you at the trade show um it was a lot of i think we ended our day bear three of the four days at michael's at michael's uh station there. So yeah. it, was a, it was a great way to kind of end and catch up with friends as well. So, um, you know, we're excited for the future for you. And uh, congratulations again. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Really
1: yep. appreciate that. Yep.
0: Yeah. And just uh, just just to capture on uh, a closing kind of point on that, too. Like I it was really funny because when we Michael, when we vote for this, like we don't we 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 often talk like in technicalities. And stuff because we don't share like what we're necess- we trying not to share between each other we don't necessarily want to influence like each other's vote and stuff and i was trying to i was trying to talk to coop about my voting for you without talking about you and i was just talking in like just vague general of course anyone with you know a blind person in detroit could figure out who i was talking about but <laughs> it was it was it was one of those things where i was like i've i've never i was like i i just can't imagine i can't imagine the being placed in the scenario that this person is placed in and to be doing their job um with with such dignity such class and um and excelling at it and and and, and it was just it was it was unbelievable it well, was I'd an unbelievable say,
1: moment we were we were forced to write the final chapters of Nat Sherman international and without knowing um that Ferriotego would occur and or maybe more specifically without knowing that we would be able to carry on the brands. Um, We knew that we had to write those final sentences and then put the final period and close the book. And so there was no way after all the work and and passion that we had put into this and all those people who came before us for the 90 years, let's say 80 years before I joined, you know, th- there was a we had a we had a tremendous amount of reverence and respect for the work that had already been done, and so it, it really was a a pretty awesome responsibility to make sure that we we did it exactly um, the way that we had grown the business all those years before, um, and so it's I'm I'm certainly glad that that, that came across. Because it was something that we all paid a lot of attention to, and we felt um, we felt very strongly about making sure that we did it the right way. Um, So yeah, not not ideal, not fun. Um, Although to be honest, we we ended up having a lot of fun, you know, because it was it's not like uh, it's not like the business was bad, it's not like the products were bad, it's not like sales were bad. It was all great, Um, but we found our Excuse me. We, we found ourselves just um, the the consequence of a larger business decision, and we just had to continue to do the work we did, and we did.
0: Yeah, it was it was uh you know for what for what we knew it to be in the moment, it was um it was a beautiful good it was a beautiful goodbye to a wonderful tradition and you know what we a wonderful tradition and a wonderful legacy and and you know, here we are just a few months later and we get to see that legacy continue. And I mean, it, we're, I mean, we're, I mean, we're, th- we're all thrilled for it. We're all thrilled for it, Michael. And wow. we're we're excited. We're on pins and needles.
1: So are we, and we're going to, we're going to do this very thoughtfully and very methodically step-by-step. Step. We're not going to make short-term mistakes. We're going to do it the right way and we're going to grow and it's going to be beautiful.
0: Nice. Well, uh, congratulations once again Absolutely. on being named person of the year. And, uh, but uh, creep thought this would be a great idea, and I, I couldn't have agreed more. That's
1: awesome. So we I really to- really appreciate that recognition. You're very welcome.
2: Yeah, so, Bear, and, I, and I said, the timing was good. I said, oh, you got Michael on Sunday. And we were trying to figure a way whether to do a photo. And then Bear said, hey, why don't you come on? So I came on. Uh, I am going to – this is Bear's show, so I do not want to steal his thunder tonight for sure. I know you guys are going to have a fantastic show, and I'm really looking forward to to it. Awesome. We'll do it. Always good to see you, my friend. Michael, thank you so much. Congratulations again. Bear, thank you as well for for giving me a little slot here to do this. Um, I do appreciate it as well. Um, So uh, I know you're going to be uh, having a lot of great content tonight, and I look forward to seeing it.
0: It'll be fantastic. It was just going to be a couple more minutes of uh, Michael making me feel bad for not wearing a jacket. So well, gonna...
2: you, you, the memo was sent. I, oh, wait, it wasn't. But
0: <laughs> oh, it was. It was just someone left the door to hell open. Oh, that's. Oh, that's just my.
2: That's just Texas. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right. Have a good. Have a good night. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, cool. Thanks, cool. Okay. Okay. All right.
0: So. Another thing we talked about last time you were on, Michael, that I wanted to kick off the show for, and I, you said that we would have to save it for another for another episode, and so I thought this would be a perfect time for it. So I am putting you on the spot a little bit, but there's a Charlie Sheen story that you that uh, that you have. You said that uh, when we talked last, I said, you know, what were some of, you know we are talking a little bit about some some celebrity stuff, and you said Nick Cage used to come in all the time, and you said, actually, funny story, Charlie Sheen came in the day of and the day after one of his uh, infamous meltdowns and stuff, and you're like, hey, this is a really good story. We'll have to save it for another time. So I thought this would be a good time to kick off the show with the, the Charlie Sheen story.
1: I'll, I'll do a relatively quick version of it. Um, Charlie had, uh, so this was just prior to, what became the infamous meltdown at the Plaza Hotel that led to um, phrases like winning and dragon's blood or tiger's blood. Tiger's or blood, was, right? Adonis
0: yeah. DNA. Right, yeah. all that.
1: This was prior to that. And he had actually, he had had, he had had some kind of an issue, I forget, but it was very public I think it was with his ex-wife and some fighting, maybe a domestic thing. I can't remember what. But anyway, he had actually been purchasing from us for some time under a pseudonym. Um, and a credit card got declined, and I we were trying to track down the card holder, and I finally got a hold of someone in this office and uh And I was trying to explain my predicament and they were being very coy about being forthcoming about who the person's identity was and assured me that it was all above board. I said, I I just can't run the sale with that kind of information. I need a little more help. And then they finally explained that it was Mr. Sheen. I said, oh, well, great, no problem. You know, we we don't disclose anything like that. and, And so no problem at all. But fast forward, he ended up being in New York And so he came by the store and couldn't have been cooler. And was hanging out, and you know, a few people came up to him and said hello. And he couldn't. He was so gracious. And uh, and so I said to him the end of that day, and he had purchased, um, you know, some pretty nice stuff. um, And at the end of the day, I said to him, "Hey, we don't normally like leak this kind of stuff." To tabloids or the media, you know, we, we don't talk about our customers. I said, but I know there's been a lot of negative press. Would it be helpful for you if we pitch this, like leaked it, you know, said that you were here taking photos, you know, great guy. And he's like, oh man, that would be a huge help. So I said, no problem. Let me get on it. I had his number. So I said, I'll, I'll shoot you a text later tonight and I'll let you know if you can expect something, but I, I would imagine we're going to get some pretty decent play out of it. So I reached out to like TMZ and Page Six and a handful of other places, and they they were all kind of rooting for him too. So they were like, "This is great. We'll put it in. It's going to be perfect." So I texted him that night, and I was like, "Good to go. Page Six and TMZ are confirmed. Then we're waiting on uh, I think the Daily News or something else." And he's like, "Oh, that's great. Awesome. You know, thank you so much. I'll see you tomorrow." I said, "Great. I'll see you tomorrow." So I woke up the next morning, and I pulled my laptop up. And I opened it up and I went to the NewYorkPost.com and the front page said like, you know, drunken Coke fuel fueled rage at the Plaza, Charlie Sheen, something, something. And I was like, no, 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 no. no that's, not, that's not the story. Hold on, hold on. And I'm like looking through all of this and obviously things had deteriorated a bit since he had left my store that evening. Um, and so anyway, <laughs> we had shipped him some product. And uh, it was going to arrive at his house the next day. And we got an alert that there was no one there to receive it. And so I texted him and I was like, look, uh, sounds like you had a long night. Uh, you know, <laughs> I just got a notice that the um, package was not able to be received. So I just wanted some guidance from you. I don't know if you're still in town. If you need a place to hide out, you know, feel free to come by. We'll stick you in the back somewhere if you just want to chill. Like, whatever. Just let me know what to do. I hope you're all right. He texted me back like three minutes later. He's like, hey, bro, sorry. Just got back to L.A. and was in the shower. Just tell him to try again tomorrow. Just, and so I wrote back, okay, cool, dot, 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 so, dot, dot, dot. What else is new? And And he just texted me back, classic. And that was that's the last time I heard from him. That's the last that's that was it. Phone that's the last text message from Charlie Sheen. That was the end. And then and then it all went, you know, off the cliff with the uh, Adonis Tiger's blood and everything. But he really was the coolest guy. He was really, really fun.
0: Yeah, I've heard, I hear he's got some, like, amazing collection of, like, you know, DuPont lighters and
1: watches and things like that, Yeah, he's, too. he's actually quite public about that, and so he was a big, a big DuPont buyer for us. In fact, about that's actually, it wasn't the last time I talked to him, because a week later, he sent me a picture of a lighter that he had bought from us, and it was a very special lighter. And uh, he sent me a picture of it via text, and he said, hey, do you have another one of these? And I wrote back, um, was it not in the package? And he said, no, do you remember I took this one with me? And I said, oh, yeah, of course. I said, did you lose it? He said, I seem to have left it behind in the hotel room, which was (laughs) the one that he trashed, which was the Eloise Eloise suite, by the way. He said, I seem to have misplaced it in the hotel room. And I wrote him back, did you try Lost and Found? And uh, he said, I'll just take another lighter. <laughs> it's okay. No problem. We'll get you another one out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I, I just, I, I remember your, your James Candolfini story too, about like you, you shared a cigar, but quite literally shared a cigar with him. Literally. And, and you know, this world is just so, this world in particular premium cigars is so small and everything. And it's, you know, there's, there's thousands of stories like that, that have, you know, that, you know, probably just as funny and just as entertaining and interesting with people that, you know, nobody knows, but the fact that, you know, everybody knows the saga of Charlie Sheen and you, 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 you're a cog in that, you know, that wheel just, you know, just by happenstance is, is wild, is comical. Yeah. Absolutely it's wild. It's crazy. Well, Michael, i um, really, really a I really appreciate you uh, giving the reader's digest version of that. The text message thing's pretty epic, though.
1: <laughs> Classic. I, w- I had it for years and then I had a phone malfunction and I lost it. But uh, okay. it, was, it was great. Yeah, I was going to say next time I saw you, I wanted, I wanted you to pull it up some seconds. <laughs> I had the whole thread for years.
0: Oh, man. That's comical.
1: That's fantastic.
0: Well, Michael, let's go ahead and uh, get into tonight's major point. And uh, as always, uh, the major point is always brought to you by Baracoa Cigars Company. The Voyage is launched. It's been relaunched. Can personally couldn't wait for this cigar to get back on the market. It's been over three years, but now with the revamped blend coming out from one of the hottest factories in the industry, Danny Vasquez has promised to his customers, you like the original blend, you're absolutely going to love the relaunch. It all started back in April, and the journey continues. Stay tuned for more details on how you can enjoy the Voyage. And remember, never settle Barrico Cigar Company. So, uh, Michael, again, uh, you know, we we just got back from uh, PCA twenty twenty one, and uh, I have to say, and I, this may sound tongue in cheek, it's not, it's certainly not intended, um, but for having not sold a single
1: cigar, you certainly had a very successful trade show. Um, it, it certainly felt that way, um, you know, and I've I've tried to um, maintain a certain level of humor um, throughout the last week or two. Obviously um, it is not conventional to approach a trade show with no product for sale, no samples, no display and no price sheets. Um, But it's, it was the hand we were dealt. And so, you know, there were basically two options. One is not to go. And the second was to go and not going was not an option. So we went and we got, Scrappy and we figured out what we could do, and uh, and that was just to to have a space where we could welcome people, and we could tell our story, and we could, you know, uh, literally and physically embrace people and look people in the eye and say thank you for your support for all these years. We didn't get a proper goodbye um, as Nat Sherman International, so that was an important thing for us to do. Um, And then to really talk about the future, talk about our vision for the future, how we um, plan to roll out um, over the next few months and try and not only relaunch and restore um, some of the Nat Sherman International, former Nat Sherman International brands, specifically Timeless and Metropolitan, uh, so not just how we plan to relaunch and restore those brands, but really more importantly for us first, is to launch Ferry Otego, the company and the brand, onto the premium cigar market. And um, you know, in hindsight, the fact that that we were so lean in our booth really allowed us to focus our messaging on the things that were the most important, which were exactly that. Those having as many meaningful conversations as we possibly could. And so of course we lost the ability for someone to possibly walk by and take a picture and get a sense for what we were doing um, as we had done in years past. But I think that's okay. You know, this was a very different show. Um, It was an intimate show. It was a, a, a hall filled with people who wanted to be there, who had opted in to participate and to support this show and the association. And so we had, you know, endless opportunities from the moment we woke up, to you know, the eight hours on the floor, to the endless hours afterwards, whether it was at a dinner at a bar, to just to talk and share and listen. Um, and so I feel very, very good with where we are. I feel like we um, we have our legs as firmly under us as we can, and we are as far along as we could possibly be along at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. You know, I'm, I'm very confident that now as we get very close to launch, that we're gonna launch um, with, with some, some pretty solid momentum, with what certainly feels like a lot of genuine enthusiasm and support already in the market, and uh, hopefully still some anticipation, which, which is every retailer's dream, because with that anticipation comes requests, and that, those requests create pull, and some level of, of product demand. And you know, no retailer wants to be a collector. Retailers want to be able to get product in and move it out. And, and hopefully we've been able to lay enough groundwork over the last say six or seven months um, where that enthusiasm will equal demand, which will create interest and pull and uh, and should set us up for a great start.
0: You you know, Mike. I was was thinking about when I first heard that you weren't going to be handing out samples or doing any commerce uh, or any transactions or anything. um, it, It it honestly didn't phase me at all. Like it it didn't phase my excitement at all. You know, I'm I'm really excited about, I'm really excited about this launch. I'm really excited about this 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 rebirth of you know this legacy that we've been talking about and you know I, I certainly don't want to put words in your mouth so if or or anything but this is how i interpreted it and um, and I, I want you to feel free to correct me or add on um, to what my what my presumptions were you you could have easily taken orders i mean i think that's what that goes without saying i mean you know there's a very popular company on the market today that did its first trade show a little over 5 years ago dunbarton tobacco and trust that had no samples but yet took orders um and and it it seemingly did well for him the way that i saw it for you is is the reason wh- the reason why you didn't want to take orders and everything is is y- you wanted to not that steve wasn't getting his company off on the right foot you wanted to get feriotega you and brandon wanted to get feriotega set off on the right foot proper conservative expectation reacquainting yourself with the retailers that you've known for years, letting them know this new vision with products that were familiar is, is that was, that was my interpretation of everything. I mean,
1: how does, how does all that assumption
0: fit with your, with your narrative?
1: Everything you said is accurate, but I would say it's, it's rooted in a philosophy that is just ultimate transparency and honesty and authenticity. And if I took an order, we're now in a contract. And that contract says that I have your commitment to purchase these products. And that means that I have the same commitment to deliver these products in a certain amount of time. And until I have those products in a warehouse that I can put in a box and ship, I don't feel comfortable in entering a contract like that. And if if the last 18 months have taught us anything? It's to expect the unexpected. And so, as as hopeful as I am that next month will be our launch month, and we've been we've been quite open about that at the show that it's looking like next month should be the month. I don't. I can't say that, absolute, definitively, um, and 100% confidently. I'm confident but without being a hundred percent in the world where anything can happen, I can't, we can't afford to disappoint. It's just, you know, there's, it's, we're in an interesting space. We have, we have a lot of um, inherited relationship and goodwill and existing theoretical existing partners, although they certainly were not partners at Ferro Tego. Um, but we also, have a whole uh, population of folks who are really eager to support us for the very first time with these brands. Um, oh, okay. And and so when I look at those two groups the idea of starting with a disappointment is is just something that that we're not willing to do. So we would much rather be very open and very transparent and communicate as clearly as possible that it is coming soon the products are great they are everything that they should be and as soon as we can deliver them we will deliver them and trust me you will know when we can Um, but until we know definitively that that product is on deck and ready to ship I don't I don't want to ask anyone um, to start thinking about engaging in a contract or a commitment that we could potentially have to delay. I, I just don't think it's fair.
0: No, and I, I certainly applaud it. Um, it was a it, it was an interesting approach, considering your you know your launch date is very much on the 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 imminent horizon. I, I, really, I really applaud that decision. I think it sets, again, it kind of sets off the right expectations. No false promises to get the company off, start off with. And, and I think it allowed you to have a lot of conversations that you may not have, frankly, may not have been able to have if you had products sitting behind you.
1: It might have been a different story. I, I think you're right. You know, that's, and maybe that's the salesman in me, but when there's product there, you're there to pitch it and you're there to sell it. And the way you measure a show, Um, conventionally is how many new accounts did you open and how much product did you sell? That is not how we intended to measure the show, whether we had product or not. I mean, this was really about, uh, is there interest? Is there enthusiasm? Is there clarity and understanding about what we're trying to do? And if there's not, how do we bring people up to speed to really get people caught up? Because, you know, there's been a lot of um, updates and a lot of changes in a relatively short amount of time. And as much as I would love to think that everyone is caught up and everyone's heard of Ferry Otego, you know, we had a few people walk up not even realizing that Nat Sherman International had closed. Oh, wow. Okay. There was, I think there really was a lot of, um, a lot of storytelling and a lot of catching up that had to be done. And I feel very good that we achieved that. And so... Now, when it's time to start talking about product and when it's launching and what's available and all of the important details surrounding the product, there hopefully will not have to be any more or many more of the catch-up stories. But rather, when we start talking about product, it is fully uh, forward-looking, forward-moving michael i think it's fair to say at least from what I,
0: everything that i was hearing um, from you know retailers and attendees alike was overwhelmingly positive and i and i catch that from the vibe from you talking to you talking to brendan uh, briefly it seemed like that was the case were there any challenging conversations that you were forced to have that maybe were expected maybe weren't
1: unexpected um, and how did those play out do you feel i think every Every conversation was challenging, to be honest, um, because it was it was catered to the person. Um, So, you know, each each conversation um, really had to be, um, you know, we had to dig deep back into a, a mental memory bank. You know, it's not like we could pull up data and sales reports. Um, and know exactly what we did with what account previously so there there was uh, frankly a lot of catching up on our side to do also I mean we were very fortunate in that Sherman International to have you know an incredible team of people and great support and salespeople who manage those relationships like they were like they were owners um, and so there was a bit of catching up for us to do too and I hope that doesn't sound negative that, that all the, the conversations were challenging because they were wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but each conversation, I think, had a unique challenge. But what was always, I mean, I, I think one of my favorites was um, with Dave Garofalo, who I love dearly, who I think uh, sponsored your opening here. Um, and, and he came over with Ed and we kind of walked through and I was walking through with Ed really just sort of high level what the plan was. And... Ed walked over to Dave, and Dave said, "So what are we doing here?" And Ed said to Dave, um, "They don't have anything." And he's like, "Okay, then we're done," <laughs> and left. And I was like, "All right, there we go. You know, check, no problem." Um, and I felt, you know, those are those are awkward moments because you wish you wish there was a better call to action. I certainly did. Um, you know, as a someone who has sold things his entire career, it's very difficult. To end a conversation without a sale,
0: without asking um, for
1: something, yeah, right. So they they were all they were all challenging and they were all unique, um, but they were all great because each one of those conversations I concluded um, with a sense of there's an opportunity here, and whether it's an opportunity when the product launches, whether it's an opportunity next year with every conversation, it was at least an opportunity for consideration. And that's all I can ask for. And if somebody considers us and says, it's not the right time or they're not the right fit, that's a total win for us. What's not a win is if we're not in consideration, but we were. And so mm-hmm. as long as we're in consideration and people think about us, whatever whatever ultimate business decision they make, well, that's the right decision for them and their business in that particular moment. And I have absolutely no insight or opinion into how they come to that final decision. But I did leave every conversation um, confident that we were in consideration. And so that was a a really, a great way to end every day.
0: So more specifically, Michael, this is a, I don't want to go too back too back far down the rabbit hole of, of negativity here but i have to imagine you probably engaged with conversations with people who you know back when the whole you know altria comments thing hit the fan you guys lost some business uh i'm sure i know you were able to gain a lot of that back up until the um until the the doors closed on that term and everything but were you able to have any conversations with someone who said hey michael you know i've always you know Something along the lines of you know I've always been a supporter of you now that now that you you and Brandon are
1: are starting this I'm on board, hundred percent. Um, a lot of those conversations I had prior to the show. Um, and so there were, you know, let's make sure that that the facts are accurately reflected when the when the Altria comments to the ANPRM. Um, FDA guidance were taken out of context and specifically, yes. and and were reported falsely. Um, that headline drew a high level of emotion, and I have absolutely no ill will or or hold any grievance towards anyone that reacted to that headline. And there were there were definitely some some highly emotionally charged responses but to your point we we got that business back most of that business back very quickly and we ended that year up so um so I don't look back at that period negatively at all it was a great opportunity and a lot of the folks who did knee jerk um eventually after reading other opinions um uh were able to to draw different conclusions, and in fact, realize that those comments were incredibly favorable to the premium cigar industry. And in fact, if you look at where the majority of the premium cigar industry is today in their opinion on regulation, they're pretty they're pretty close to what we wrote in our comments. Um, so it's interesting to see how all of that has evolved. Nevertheless. It doesn't change the moment in time. And again, I don't have any ill will towards the way those things kind of transpired. Um, what, what has been really special to me since Ferry released, um, since we announced that we formed, and then with that same announcement that we were also able to acquire the brands formerly owned by Natural German International, the groundswell of enthusiasm and support was quite universal and that included people who I know for a fact were, for lack of a better word, um, anti-Nat Sherman International as a result of those comments. I've seen and heard from people leading up to the show, but really immediately following our announcement um, of folks saying, we're in, we're gonna give this a shot. We're gonna support these guys. This is, it's back to where it belongs. It's a small family business. And, you know, we're, we're, we believe in, in this and we're going to give it a shot. So I feel great that a lot of that work had actually been done prior. We did spend some time kind of reiterating some of that and reassuring people. Um, but largely, I, I think that a lot of those opinions were not the opinions of us or of our product or of our team. It was certainly an opinion that was targeted towards our parent company at the time. Mm -hmm. And now that Otego is a new and small family business in the premium cigar industry, uh, it feels like we really have uh, everybody rooting for us. Yeah. I have to imagine that that was, uh,
0: you know, if if I was one of those people that knee jerk reactioned that time that I would you know, for lack of a better term, knee jerk reaction the other way. Cause I would be, I mean, I would be thrilled. I mean, I was thrilled. And I was personally thrilled in general. I had, wasn't one of these people necessarily
1: back then, but I have to imagine it was just. Well, the other and, thing, there is even, even in the time when, when people said, look, you know, we're just not going to continue doing business. And there, there weren't that many, but after we had real long conversations and I couldn't get, you know, a handful to change their mind, even in those conversations, they said, look, this has nothing to do with you. Says, I have Nothing to, to do with you. Mm-hmm. And so even then, when, when, again, you know, a handful of customers stopped doing business, I didn't take it personally. That was a business decision mm-hmm. and no problem. Everyone's entitled to make their own decisions for their own businesses. Uh, so, you know, that we, we were still friends. I'd still see them at conventions and trade shows and at the bar after a show. And we'd talk and, and talk about families and business and, and, uh, I think I think we still had uh, a very high level of admiration and respect for one another in any number of those um, scenarios. But the good news is, 2021 is here. 2022 is close, and we're going into um, the future of Otego. and that's a mm-hmm. that's a clean slate with nothing but open road and and optimism. So. Michael, you, when I actually had the
0: opportunity to interview at the show just a few days ago, um, yeah, I'm going to throw myself on the 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 idiotic sword here. Um, I referred to I referred to the re, the, the launch of Ferio Tag, and I said, when? And I used this term, and you were quick to correct me. I said, when when can we expect to see Nat Sherman back on the shelves again? And he said, well, Nat Sherman won't be back on the shelves, but. The brands and Ferrotaiga will be back on the shelves, and we already talked about when your anticipated launch date is. Okay, so for so hopefully I'm not the only moron out there. So for people who don't or maybe under misunderstanding, Nat Sherman, uh, in terms of the premium cigar world, will not be returning to retail shelves. Shelves, however, the brands like Timeless, Metropolitan, for example. Will be in fact, I've got I'm smoking in a poker right now that has that secondary band that says exclusively for Nat Sherman International. And you shared this on your social media page a few weeks back, the same secondary band on some of those brands that we've come to love that says exclusively for Feria Tego. So explain to, uh, again, just kind of reiterate, what will we be seeing on the shelf? And, and, and how will they be very similar? And how will they, they be different?
1: So it's important to note that Nat Sherman for many years was a company and, um, a brand and a store and a place. It kind of had m- multiple identities. Um, but after the Sherman family sold to Altria in 2017, Nat Sherman at that moment became a cigarette brand. And there's a lot of backend, um, legal stuff to explain it, um, which I'm not going to bother doing, but it's just important to understand that in that moment, Nat Sherman became a cigarette brand. And um, we did a lot of work immediately to try and make sure that we were able to differentiate our cigar, our premium cigar products so that they would never be confused with a cigarette brand. And so that was all of the rebrand work that we did leading up to the 2018 trade show where we debuted it where timeless mm-hmm. became timeless and it said timeless. And metropolitan became metropolitan. And we kind of reorganized all of what were brands and sub-brands and reorganized and allocated them under the timeless, metropolitan, and epoca brand families. If you go back and look at the coverage of the 2018 show and anything related to the Nat Sherman International rebrand, that work is what we are carrying on. And so, Timeless and its sub-brands will return. The only significant change is that secondary band that you just showed, which used to say exclusively for Nat Sherman International, will say exclusively for Um, The same, so that's Timeless. Metropolitan, the same thing, and its sub-brand families Connecticut, Habano, uh, Maduro, Host, Host Maduro, those will come back just as they were before with a new secondary band. There's a couple little tweaks. Um, uh, We tweaked some sizes. We changed some box configurations. We turned some boxes of 25s to boxes of 18 for consistency. We changed um, some boxes of 25s to boxes of 10s for consistency nothing is headline worthy in any of that. So a couple Mm -hmm. little tweaks, um, but if you smoked Timeless Prestige number two, since we launched it in 2012 and it got the number 10 cigar of the year in, in Cigar Aficionado's top 10 list, if you smoked that cigar in 2012 and 2013, when you smoked that cigar in 2021 and 2022, it is exactly the same experience. Same manufacturer, same flavors, same experience, just as it was then. So there's, there's minor tweaks, but these are, these are tweaks that are meant to make the brands and the portfolio make more sense because what other opportunity would you ever have to start from scratch? We've never, we didn't have that opportunity. Even in rebrand, we didn't have the opportunity to just sell out of everything and reset everything. Um, but those really are, are the only changes um but from a from a um timeline perspective the first thing we will see is feriotego um it is the first production is quite limited um so hopefully we can get as much of the product out to as many people who want it as possible the 2022 release of feriotego um is already in the works and will be a bit more so it'll satisfy more demand than the 2020, 2021 release will. But once Ferriotego is in market and launched, we will quickly follow that up with Timeless and all four of its sub-brands in the key sizes. So it's certainly no secret. I love Lanceros. I love what what I typically call um, connoisseur shapes. The, the more... Um, the, the least selling, least commercial formats tend to be the ones I like the best. Lonsdale,
0: um, Corona.
1: Lonsdale's, Corona's, Lancero's, Perfecto's. Um, those sizes uh, will follow in a later release in 2022. Right now, we have to make sure that we restore the sizes that sold the best, that retailers dependent on the best, that consumers uh, are looking forward to the most. So we'll lead with the formats in each blend that really did the best. And then next year we'll relaunch some of those more specialty shapes. Terrific. So
0: I, I, I certainly hope to have an opportunity to have uh, uh, Brandon Scott on my show at some point. Um, but for those, for those who don't know your partner, Brandon Scott in this venture, This is a man who's extremely accomplished in this industry as well. If I if I remember timelines correctly, I think he's been with he was with Nat Sherman just a little bit longer than you, if that's not if I'm not mistaken. Two years ahead Um, of me. Two years ahead of you, and uh, but he was with you for the entire journey, obviously. Um, You know, tell us a little bit about him and you know how seemingly this partnership ended up. The you two, I mean, because at the time, you know, Nat Sherman was made up of hundreds of people. Um, you know, why, why it culminated in this partnership to, to launch Ferreo Tego?
1: Well, um, so Brendan was CFO of Nat Sherman total, not just international, but total company. And, um, he was, he was a big advocate and supporter of hiring me back in 2011 to help grow, um, uh, the, the premium cigar business to help really Re- recreate the premium cigar business for Nat Sherman at the time uh, and to help evolve and grow the store, ultimately became known as the townhouse. Um, he was a fierce advocate of our work. And I think it's probably rare to have finance people, especially CFOs, be, be such fierce advocates of growing and creating and reinvesting and taking chances. And Brendan was a fierce advocate. So we worked really closely together in, 10 years ago now exactly, in redeveloping and and sort of crafting what would become the business plan for Nat Sherman International. Um, And so we worked very closely together as we added people and we grew product lines and we um, widened our contract manufacturing relationships Brendan was a, was a part of every one of those decisions. And, and Brendan is a, is a um, incredibly pragmatic guy. Um, he doesn't get overly emotional. He, he looks at numbers like numbers and can make business cases for things. I'm a musician. So, you know, I, don't, I tend not to go to the spreadsheet first. I go to my gut first. I go to my heart first. Um, but what, what I think really makes Brendan stand out as unique is he is a passionate premium cigar smoker. Um, And he had as much authorship in the success of Nat Sherman International's growth over those 10 years as I did and as the team did. And so when when we had to announce that we were looking for, um, that we were exploring the opportunity to sell the business, it was Brendan and I who were really tasked with leading a lot of that work. And we felt very strongly that we had to find the right home for the work to continue. And so that was all during COVID. We started October of 2019. We were basically ready to go with a deal in March of 2020 when COVID hit and that really um, uh, torpedoed that first deal and then Brendan and I were were just absolutely unwilling to, to walk away. We really wanted to find a, a good home. And so we worked, you know, like dogs throughout work from home, pandemic, quarantine, et cetera, to try and get creative, to find a way to sell the business. And when we failed to do that, which was almost literally this time last year, uh, that was an incredibly emotional time for us both because there was, we felt very good that we had um, turned over every stone. And we were very grateful that Altria continued to give us time. uh, When we would go back and say, we're not ready to call it yet. There's a couple more things we wanna try. They'd say, go ahead. And we would do it. Um, Inevitably, we weren't successful. So then we spent the next five months winding down everything that we had built, which sucked. It was just, you know, it was just awful. Um, And so we would find ourselves by then, you know, we were able to get into the office, um, you know, really only maybe two or three of us at a time. Um, But we would get in. We would distance, we'd be on opposite ends of this conference room table, smoking cigars, taking turns, going into the kitchenette to get a coffee or get lunch um, and really winding all this work down and ending every night you know with a with a sip of scotch saying, this sucks, this just sucks." And you know at one point we just said, you know maybe we should we should take a stab at seeing if if they would consider selling the brands, even though it was very clear that selling the brands was not in consideration as part of the transaction. And so we, we basically wrote a plea and we reached out and, uh, and I said, look, I'm in if you're in. And he said, I'm in if you're in. And we sent the plea for consideration to buy the brands and they came back and said, absolutely, we'll consider it. This is a great ending it's a much better ending to the story than the one we were in the process of writing. Uh, and they, Altria felt, felt very strongly about um, working with us to see if we could do a deal. And so it just, it just made sense and it fit. And, and Brendan and I share reverence for the history and the story of these brands. And uh, we share a lot of blood, sweat and tears with the team. Um that helped build these brands over ten years. Then we also shared the work to try and sell it. Then we also shared the work to then close it. Um, but what we don't share is skill set. You know, Br- Brendan is a finance guy. Brendan understands um, how the real inner workings back end of economics work in a way that as as much as I've learned by doing over the years, I don't have what he has. Um, and he doesn't have what I have. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't know how to make cigars. He doesn't, he doesn't know how to taste tobaccos and, and, um, you know, work with contract manufacturers on, on blend creation or blend maintenance on doing events and doing education. Uh, and so it really is a, it really is a very perfect yin and yang. Um, and where that, sort of little curvy line is blurred, is our shared passion for the industry, our shared passion for the product, and our shared experiences over the last 10 years. So it has been, it has been just great. There hasn't been a, a moment of conflict. There's certainly been moments of disagreement, um, but unlike the, uh, the environment we live in today, when we disagree, we listen to the other's point of view because he doesn't know what I know and I don't know what he knows. And the reason we're partners is because we respect each other and we trust each other. And there's nothing more important in a partnership like this than respect and admiration and trust. And so if he feels very strongly about something that I disagree with and it's rooted in, in in facts or an in intellect, as much as I don't agree with it, well, there's lots of things I don't agree with. You know what I mean? That's part of being an adult is saying, well, I don't agree, but I'm going to compromise because if what you're saying is, is rooted in more than my opinion, which is rooted in nothing but emotion, I'm going to go with the expert on this one. You know what I mean? And, and vice versa. If there's something uh, that's product related, that he doesn't agree with or has a different opinion and I'm substantiating my opinion with something historical or what could be um, perceived as data-driven more than his um, uh, consumer opinion, for, for lack of a better word, then we talk it through, we look at the options and he says, great, okay, let's go. But we respect each other enough to listen to the other one's side and walk each other through and, come to an agreement so the
0: i i want to put a pin in this part of the conversation but i, I do want to ask this thing um about brendan specifically i mean this the, the last few months with the launch of ferio Tago, the announcement of ferio tago you know this has to this has kind of thrown brendan into the spotlight probably more than he ever was in his tenure at nat sherman um and any and, he, and I love the partnership. I think it's beautiful. I think it is. I think it is balanced. Like you said, is it, you know, going forward, are we going to see the partnership in the spotlight? Like it has, it has been, or will you be kind of taking the lead as you did kind of with with your time with Nat Sherman and your time before that with Davidoff, et cetera.
1: Um, I don't know. You know, I think we're we're gonna we'll see how that evolves, but it's also I think what's also important here is um, one of the things I appreciate most about Brendan is um, he he's not looking for um, stardom, fame, and notoriety in a way that is inauthentic to what he does. He's looking. To have a successful business, and um, and I want to make sure that it's very clear that this is a partnership, that this is not just a Michael Herklot show. In just like Nat Sherman International was not wasn't my company, you know, I ended up in front, um, just kind of by by happenstance, you know, for from 2011 till 2017, it was the Shermans the Sherman family business, um, but their work and their roles and what they did, what they chose, um, the events they chose to participate in, um, they were different. If you, if you talk to our contract manufacturers, if you talk to some of our key accounts, they all know Brendan, because those were important relationships that Brendan were, was involved in. If you talk to the owner of you know Joe's Smoke Shop in Boise, Idaho, it, that wasn't a relationship that Brendan was necessarily involved in. Um, it's one that he certainly wants to be involved in today in whatever way it's helpful. Um, you know, he feels very strongly about making sure that he knows our customers, meets our customers and is able to say thank you to our customers. But he also knows that he's not going to fly to Joe's smoke shop in Boise, Idaho to lead a tasting seminar. You Got know you. what I mean? That. Right. So where, where I think, it goes back to what I said earlier. There is nothing more important, period, to the success, I believe, of companies than authenticity. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be something I'm not. Brendan's not going to be something I'm not, that he's not. We are certainly not going to pretend to be because the moment you try and pretend to be or, or try and convince someone that you're something else, that authenticity bubble is blown. And and why would we do that to ourselves? You know what I mean? We've worked too hard and now we have way too much at stake to try and be something we're not. Um, So when there are opportunities for both of us to be somewhere, trade shows for example, major events, um, I think without a doubt, Brendan and I are gonna be there side by side together. when we're visiting factories i think brendan certainly wants to visit but probably not with the same regularity that i visit because the work is different so if sure. we're just there working on specific product it may not make sense to have two people there but on the times that we're really there forecasting and we're there working on on the real nitty-gritty business side that's a piece that brendan's really interested in and wants to come so you know i don't i don't envision necessarily um a point where 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 Brendan is trying to be cigar guy. I think Brendan is a partner in or the partner in Otego. And the, the the moments where that is natural, uh, and it makes sense for him to be there, he's there. But no matter what, whether I'm on a camera, whether we're on a camera, he's, he's right here. Right. He's right here. I mean, he's not actually right here. That'd be awfully awkward, but he's here.
0: Right. No, I, I, I think, I think that that's something that I really took note of because in a lot of ways I feel like, and I don't think I'm alone in this. I felt like Nat Sherman was your company in those last years, you know, it, you know, and, and, and I know the Sherman family was incredibly proud of the work that you did, especially after they exited, but even while they were still around, they brought you in for a reason. It's my
1: company to lead. It wasn't my company to own. It was sure. just my company to lead.
0: No, absolutely. I, I, you know, and to that point, and how devoted that you and Brendan both were, just to take a step back in the conversation for just a moment, when you all were searching for this perfect fit, and ultimately it, it, it worked out as we've kind of seen it, but at the time you guys were looking for new opportunities, new partners, and I've, you know, you, you've said in 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 previous interviews that the the diversity of the interested parties was wild, vast, and which had to be exciting. Um, but was it scary? Was it painful to realize that hey, we might be looking for the perfect fit,
1: and the perfect fit may not include us? Well, in fact. The perfect fit definitely did not include Brendan. Um, he wasn't contemplated in, in any of the transactions at all, because uh, he wasn't a Nat Sherman International employee anyway. Um, so he wasn't contemplated in any of the um, uh, buys, and in several of the buys uh, of the buyers, um, I wasn't either. And that was also very clear in from the early conversations. Um, with some of these buyers, as we went through personnel and team and people and and who were they willing to take or looking to take and who were they not, um, there were, I think there were probably only two scenarios um, where I was included, or I was at least considered, and most of them I wasn't. Um, it wasn't scary. It was humbling, right? I mean, you you work really hard thinking this, this can't live without me, and uh, guess what? can, absolutely it can, right? Uh, that's humbling, but that also, that wasn't the issue. The issue was, we wanna deliver this. We wanna deliver it healthy. We want the best outcome for the most people. And Brendan's an incredibly talented CFO. He wasn't worried about finding something else to do. Um, I, I feel pretty good about my career and, and feel like I would have been able to land on my feet and we both had the benefit, as did the rest of the, the the company, of knowing that we would have a soft landing with a severance for anyone that ultimately didn't get placed with a new buyer. So um, it wasn't scary. Uh, we weren't angry about it. We were so focused on the work that you know it was. What was exciting was just being part of something so so big. I mean, when you know, just from a, a plain life experience, career experience, the fact that we got to experience hands-on, a being part of a major acquisition and to work on this very strategic corporate um, transition plan—that's some pretty cool work. You know, just as a as a professional, that's some pretty cool work, um, integration work, and then to then work on a spinoff and uh, another transaction. Again, it was just really cool work to do something I've never done. Probably I'm not qualified to do. Brendan's qualified to do that kind of stuff. I wasn't, mm-hmm. um, that was thrilling.
0: You know, speaking as a, as, a, as a fan of yours, Michael, I was terrified, um, and that may sound a pretty extreme, but I was terrified of the premium cigar industry existing without you in it. Um, <laughs> knew you had options. In fact, I mean, there was a small, you know, pool among some of us like, hey, you know, inside the industry, outside the industry, if it's outside the industry, what it was. And I had like this running list of things that I was like, I, this is this is where he could probably land or would probably go and ultimately be even pot- potentially even more successful than you were in the premium cigar industry. Um from a from a, at least from a financial standpoint, um, you know the the oldest living joke in the industry. You know, like, hey, if you want to be a you know if you want to make a million bucks in this industry, you know, start with start with two,
1: right?
0: <laughs> so um, then but, we are
1: not off on the right foot.
0: <laughs> but um, that being said, it, I mean the the happy ending that it's been thus far is is, is thrilling for. For me personally, and I and I know for a lot of people, like those great conversations you had. So so for, so fast forward back to, to this Deer's trade show, I was I was privileged uh, to be invited and to attend um, a a small little reception that you put on um, for some of your uh, your for your support network, if I'm if I'm characterizing it aptly. And when I say your, I am talking about you and Brendan specifically, the partnership. Um, we talked about the diverse group of buyers that was lining up as potential suitors for Nat Sherman international. But I mean, if you want to talk about a diverse group of people in this room, it's pretty impressive. I had to, I got to set in the corner and I looked around and I knew a lot of people and I didn't know some. And I mean, there were, I mean, there were, you know, there are social media influencers, there were fellow brand owners, there were manufacturers, there were retailers, there were media. This room was as, Diverse as you could get in the premium cigar industry, and it was pretty impressive uh, assembly of of people, and 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 they were they were all there in continued support of you. I mean, that 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 had to be, if not the highlight, that had to be a, a big highlight for you at this. Uh, you all for this at this past trade show.
1: Yeah, it, it was a great night. Um, it was a very challenging night to put together a list because we were quite limited. We were limited on the size of the room. Um, We were limited in our time. We were limited in our budget. And um, so that was quite tricky. But um, that was, a it was just a room of folks who had, everyone in the room had done something extra. And that's not to take anything away from all of our historical retail partners and friends and, and, uh, uh, advocates and, and relationships. I mean, I could have filled that room every night for a month and probably still left people out of the people I've, we feel like we owe gratitude to. Um, but we don't have that budget yet. So, um, we wanted to just have a, a, a gathering of folks who really did something extra. Uh, and it was, a it was a great night and it was authentic to us. It was in the very room where 10 years prior we had, uh, showed up with, at a trade show with no product to sell, with no samples, um, with no price lists. All we had was a vision. And here we were 10 years later, doing exactly the same thing in exactly the same room and with some of the same people. Um, it was a great night. And we did it. I mean, specifically that room. It was at Emerald's Delmonico's. Um, I've known Emerald for years and years, and he has been. A great supporter and a friend of mine and um we worked together when i was at davidoff then he was very supportive when i was at matt sherman and he has remained you know a, a a great cheerleader if nothing else in the background as all this was happening and um when i reached out to uh him and his team that we were coming to las vegas again for our trade show this time is ferriotego um, his immediate response was, what can we do? And I said, well, we can start with the venue. And he was like, done. What else can we do? And so they were incredibly helpful and, and, uh, gracious and hospitable. And we selected some incredible wines that sommelier Dylan is one of the most talented Psalms I've ever met. And he picked out some incredible wines. He reached out to some of his uh, wine friends and partners and explain what we were doing and they were gracious enough to, to help support us, get started. So it's, you know, it was, it was amazing, man. It was great. It was just great, especially in that smaller room to be a little bit more open, um, you know, say a little more than maybe I've, I said in the booth to folks uh, and, and to just, to just party, you know, I mean, yeah. if we, Under any other circumstances, if it wasn't a pandemic and we were forced to close, we would have had a a serious farewell tour. I mean, we would have gone bonkers, you know, but we couldn't do it. We, We really we didn't get to say goodbye the way I think a lot of us would have liked to have said goodbye. And the fact that now we could we could sort of. Say hello, say hello, really, you know, put that to bed and really get together looking forward about what's to come. Uh, was a was a wonderful it was a wonderful evening
0: no it really was michael and i think you know like you've always you've always to me you've always come across as as a as a as, a, as, as very candid even when you couldn't necessarily be as candid as you
1: wanted to be um, i've always been as candid as i can be <laughs> which is not always as much as i want to be but that's that's gone now yeah well, I mean, yeah, I,
0: I was making a comment once. I was like, "All oh, the handcuffs are off now. Uh, I forgot who I said it to. And it, it, but it was because that night and you, it was about as, and, and please don't mistake me. This is, this is intended as a compliment. This was about as raw as I've ever seen you. Um, and it was pure. It was very emotional. It was emotional for me. I'm an emotional guy. So it's easy. Um, you know, it, it's easier to hit these heartstrings here. It just is. Um, but that, that doesn't mean the sentiment was lost or, or, or the, the moment was any less important because just because I happen to be an emotional person. So, um, it, it was a beautiful moment. And, uh, like I said, I was privileged to be
1: there and, and and thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. I'm glad you guys were there. And how about the chicken and waffles? I mean, can we talk was, about that? I was going to say, was that outrageous? <laughs> that that was
0: that was that was probably one of the best appetizers I've ever had in my life. And it was, like, so simple,
1: too. So we did, not last year, but the year before, we did a handful of cocktail parties there back-to-back. Um, and over the years, anytime we're in Vegas, we, we do an event at Delmonico's. And as we grew uh, that Sherman's business, we did a lot more parties. But there has never been a party at Delmonico's where we didn't get the chicken and waffle appetizer. It is mind-blowing. It was...
0: Really, really good. um I mean, I was also starving, so I, but it was fantastic. it was fantastic the wine was incredible too. I mean, like you said, Dylan did an incredible job with that with those li- with that list of wines that he had put together man they were they were they were insane so um and uh but I think that's a that's a perfect segue into uh what I call our fun segments for the evening. So, that let's go ahead and get this started with uh, our one must go segment. So, uh, our one must go is always brought to you by United Cigars, featuring La Giana Havana and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabey and Byron Lions. So, smoke one today and start living United. Uh, so. Michael, I can't remember if you participated in One Must Go on my show previously. I know you've done it on Coop Show, but the idea is I give you three things and, and one's gotta get the boot, essentially. So um, the reason why I say that, you know, the, the cocktail party kind of set this up so perfectly is we were at Emeralds Delmonico, Monaco, which is different than the historic Delmonico in New York City, which, where you hail from. Um, very historic uh, landmark of a steakhouse, fantastic. Um, since you're close with the Emerald, was was there? I mean, there obviously was a connection there, you know, with Emerald, you know, opening up at Delmonico and everything. From my, my understanding, my research of it, it's just it, Delmonico is kind of synonymous with, you know, steakhouses and and you know, pristine steakhouses. Is that is that kind of the connection as far as you know it to be? I know you're not, not Emerald. They
1: are not related or connected to to just, one another. So, right.
0: It's just the name.
1: It's just the name. Uh, and funny enough, I was actually doing similar research not that long ago. Because um, I was thinking of the one in New York and I knew they weren't related and I tried to go down the rabbit hole. Um, I didn't get very far, but they're not related.
0: So um, so this, this actually has to do with historic steakhouses in New York. So I'm going to give you three historic steakhouses. I know there's more than three, but in New York. And I'm interested to get your opinion on which one would get the boot. So... The first choice of course is the original delmonico's which is actually almost over 100 years old like it's historic it's iconic it's been there forever uh the second one another another one which is peter luger's steakhouse uh and one of my personal favorite although i've never been to new york i'm just fascinated with the uh the decorations that they've chosen namely the pipes which would be keen's steakhouse so uh if anyone's thought about uh, this heard about keens they the walls are adorned with these pipes and these pipes actually belong to members of the steakhouse i mean there's i mean there's some pretty infamous people that actually own a pipe and back in the days when you could smoke that they would retrieve your pipe you would light it up and you know you would light up your pipe and smoke and then give it back and they would hang it back up again and pretty cool concept um unfortunately you probably can't smoke anymore in there but still still pretty awesome so um First question, first, uh, Michael. Have you been to all three of these lo- these locations? I I did this site unseen without asking ahead of time, but that's the whole point. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So so one one has to go. So out of those three iconic historic steakhouses in New York, Keens, Peter Lugers, Peter Woo, Peter Lugers, and Delmonico's,
1: which one gets the boot? So first, um, restaurants in New York City. I've had a Horrible, horrible 18 months. And the last thing I would want to see is a restaurant go out of business because um, it's been brutal. So let's pretend COVID didn't happen. Let's yes. pretend everything's booming. This is totally hypothetical. Um, and I love and respect all three of these restaurants and in the industry. Delmonico's is out. In New York. Delmonico's New York is out. I would keep teens okay. and I would keep uh, Peter Luger's because Delmonico's is all the way downtown wall street and I don't go to wall street. <laughs> Keens is in midtown. I love midtown. I spend a lot of time in midtown um, and I really need a great steakhouse in midtown. So Keens stays. And then uh, Peter Luger's is in Brooklyn. And it's important that you have really iconic restaurants on um the other side of the bridge and i think the other side of the bridge always gets hurt because everyone's just you know jumping up and down about manhattan 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 Mm -hmm. but i lived in queens for almost 20 years i happen to love that side of the bridge more than um the manhattan side of the bridge and so there's got to be something on that side of the bridge so luger stays interesting what's um
0: So if I was, if I was going to, if I was going to Peter Luger's, what's the, I mean, what's the thing I have to get off the menu other than steak? Is there, is there something other than steak that I have to get?
1: I don't know because you're not allowed to get a menu. I mean, this is one of those like crusty old places that it's like the soup Nazi from Seinfeld, you know, you're afraid to offend the waiter, um, and it's not a fancy place. That's the other so I know. It's, that's what I've seen from like photos and stuff. Yeah. It's, a... it's, like, it's like one step above picnic tables. They dump a bucket of water on the table, wipe it down, and then you go. So I've never actually seen a menu ever.
0: It's like Frankie uh, and Johnny's too. Like it's this hole in the wall place like next to a, like a dry cleaner or
1: something. Yeah. Although now on the other side of that is a uh, Davidoff cigar lounge. Um, so you can have a cigar afterwards. Oh, nice! Uh, It's owned by Boris Grossman, the guy from Matador, and very, very beautiful place. Anyway, um, so I've only ever had, if I recall, a bone-in rib or a porterhouse. I think are the only. Just depends on how many people are there. Um, And I'm pretty sure it was uh, cream spinach, garlic mash, and then I'm pretty sure we drank wine, (laughs) uh, although most people (laughs) drank beer. And you can only pay with cash or oh, a Peter wow. Luger or a Peter Luger credit card. Fantastic. Uh, that's that's unique place. Really, really awesome. Yeah,
0: I, I definitely the I definitely want to go to Keynes at some like that's that's going to be probably first for it's me great. on the list. Um, just because of the, the the whole pipe thing and stuff, I, I would totally dig that. So uh, your good friend uh, and my friend as well, Andrew Brandon, has been watching this all time. Um uh, giving me giving me shit as i you know wax poetic about your kind words all throughout the trade show and everything um but but he said that i created a great faux pas i didn't even mention your favorite steakhouse so what is what is what is michael
1: herclaw's favorite steakhouse in new york well it was my favorite steakhouse which was Rothman steakhouse um they closed um but part of the reason it was my favorite steakhouse is it was close to Davidoff at the time and i knew the people and let's face it when you know the people and the food is good, the place is the best there is. Mm-hmm. Um, but interestingly enough, the former GM of Rothman's became my first GM at was, Nat Sherman. I was
0: gonna say, he went to work for you at Nat Sherman.
1: Yeah, I remember yeah. hearing that. But, but Rothman's was the, uh, it was a magical place. Really, I don't, there, there will never be another restaurant like that for me ever. It was time and place and people, and it was just, it was amazing.
0: I have to imagine that having a steak any you know at, at any fine and I'm sure there's there's hundreds at any fine New York steakhouse is probably a steak probably tastes better in New York than it does anywhere else. And I'm from Texas, the home of beef. so
1: I, mean, I think that's also though like uh, you know the best cigar you ever had uh, you know was on the beach on your honeymoon in Cancun. right you no know, like it's the same comparison. You, yeah, are you sure? Or is it? You know, everything else. A that, moment, and that's yeah. also, by the way, a lot of people's worst cigar they ever had was at a bachelor party on a beach in Cancun or something,
0: similar, <laughs> right? Right.
1: Um, you, you need the whole equation in order under, to understand what the final um, what the final answer is. New York is a magical place, and there is a lot of incredible food. There, there are the best steak you probably will never eat because it's probably in a very small place that's not getting the opportunity for recognition the way some of the big places are and is gonna be the hardest to find. And I don't know what that place is, but you know, I think in general, there are always um, cigars you find that are magical that people don't know, that just they aren't getting the recognition. There's wines that are incredible that don't get the recognition. There's actors and musicians That are absolutely incredibly talented, better than people on TV and stage that are not getting the recognition and not getting the work. Mm -hmm. Just the way it is. I think it's certainly the same in restaurants.
0: I have to um I have to imagine the like you said, the the what COVID did to the restaurant industry in this country, but particularly I know New York was hit incredibly hard, a lot of closures of some fabulous places and it's, it's really sad, um, that I'll, I'll never get to, I'll never get to do it, but I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about, uh, going to New York and I have like a list of places that I want to eat. And I know that's having to be, it's continually having to be revised as, as, as COVID continues to take its toll even in this time in 2021 and everything. But, uh, but it's, it's something that I'm looking forward to is, 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 is some fine meals and in, in the, you know, your hometown let me there. know when
1: you're coming and i i'm buying at least one of those
0: sold done that was easy i was man i wasn't even i wasn't even fishing there that was perfect um <laughs> but it, you know we were talking about emeralds uh, del monaco and that kind of leads us into our next segment and that was our one must go so th- thank you for participating in that michael i really appreciate it um
1: but uh, i hope del monaco's does not go by the way
0: yes of course of course of course it's what we do know as, as, as a small business owner, we don't want anyone to go out of business. That's right. Um, but as always, I was brought to you by United cigars featuring La Giana Havana distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolera, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines. Smoke one today start living United. Um, but our net, our next segment, again, this is a, this is a segment that was born on my birthday late last year. And it's something that has kind of, kind of really taken on a life of its own. It's been fantastic. So each week, Michael, as you know, uh, and as my audience knows, and maybe new audience members aren't aware of, I ask my guest to choose, select a charity or nonprofit of their choosing that they want to spotlight, and potentially even uh, raise a few dollars for. And uh, and this week, you've chosen uh, Emer- the Emerald Legacy Foundation. Um, which I'll just give a brief introduction to, but then I'd like to hear from your words, Michael, why this, this foundation is, I know the personal relationship is, is there, but why it's so important to you. Um, really great organization designed to um, to spur interest in culinary arts, but arts themselves in, uh, in today's youth in this country. And they've done some incredible work, $14 million raised since its inception uh, for culinary nutrition and arts education for today's youth, uh, it's been a fantastic organization that's, you know, tackling a field that a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, the arts kind of gets left and put into a corner in a lot of cases. And certainly the culinary arts is even a small fraction of that. So it's, it's, it's a really cool organization. And I'm excited to hear
1: uh, why you chose to spotlight it tonight. So I got involved in the Emerald Legacy Foundation. I want to say 2006. So it started in 2002, um, and it was created by Emerald and his wife Alden. And uh, the year of Katrina, it had to move. There used to be a gala and a big event in New Orleans every year. The year of Katrina, it had to move because um, it's typically in the fall and. New Orleans was still in deep trouble. So they moved it rather than canceled it to Las Vegas. I think that was 2005. So in that time I had met um, uh, a handful of winemakers and, and um, was doing some work with them. um, Fundraising funny enough and, and events. And I met a winemaker named Fred Schrader um, who in the, Cult Cabernet World is, um, is a pretty well-known guy. We became fast friends. And uh, and he said that he was doing this event um, in New Orleans. It was the first year it was going to be back after Katrina and wanted to know if I wanted to help. And I said, you know, we do a lot of events. What is it? And he said, it's, it's uh, with Emerald Lagasse for this Emerald Lagasse Foundation. And I said, boy, that sounds cool. So we did it. Um, and at that time, it was just this this gala, which was very nice. And the night before was a small little benefactors event um, for people who bought tables for some of the major donors. And so I just showed up and did a cut and light at that at that event. And then they invited me. I guess Fred invited me as his guest to go to the gala. And I met some of the greatest people both at the, at the night before smoking cigars. Um, and then at the gala, just the nicest, most genuine, incredible people. Then I was there for the auction and I had never seen, you know, a million dollars get raised in whatever, 25 minutes. I was just mind boggling the generosity in the room. Um, supporting this this group so after we did that i i stayed in touch with the foundation i said look we're we're in no matter what like however this grows whatever we can do we're going to do it Uh, and so we stayed in regular touch and we supported it every year and the the event grew and grew and grew in fact it it ended up morphing into this other event called boudin bourbon and beer which then ultimately was held at the superdome for i don't know three thousand people um, and we would show up and do a cut and light line all the way down um, the steps, and uh, and it was just this. It was almost this homecoming every year. Um, and what I what I found sort of exposed to first through Emerald's organization, and now as I've been involved in other organizations, um, there is this incredible camaraderie and community within philanthropy. And let's face it, these are fun events who are generous with their time and generous with their money and generous with their hearts, all looking to raise money for a good cause by eating and drinking and donating and bidding. And that's what these guys were doing, and you know, I was able to over the years visit some of the facilities um, that the Emerald Lagasse Foundation supports. Um, one specifically that was using culinary arts um, within um, uh, this home for special needs, and they were learning these real life skills, everything for that lunch was was prepared and served by people who lived in this home um they've done they've done everything from from uh youth at risk youth to homeless adults and even now in covid they've they've taken some of their resources and have put them back into the community to help small businesses um but it's really it's it's uh the overall community that's involved and supports the Emerald Legacy foundation is an incredible group of people and the return on their investment of time and money. When you look at the lives impacted and the, the results of, of um, the Emerald Legacy foundation's support on, on people's lives, it's, it's measurable and it's dramatic. And, and it's, it just, it's a very, very special organization with very special people. Um, I'm on their advisory council and, uh, and it's just, it's something that is, that is deserving of, of, uh, more awareness for what they do, um, and more support. So I thought that was a perfect, a perfect opportunity and timely, given that we were just celebrating at Emerald's a week ago. Yeah.
0: No, I, I thought that was, I thought that was perfectly timing. And, and for those interested, I placed a link. Uh, there's a link attached to the advertisement earlier today on my Facebook page. You can hit that donate button. What's really great about Facebook donations is a hundred percent of the proceeds. It's not like GoFundMe. hundred percent of the proceeds go to, go to the charity of choice, which is fantastic. And you can donate as, as this view is just a dollar or so. And, and it all goes towards the organization, which is fantastic. Um, if you're interested directly donating, I placed that link inside the chat. Um,
1: emerald.org. Nice and easy. Emerald. Yeah,
0: emerald.org. So I, uh, um, as always, Michael, what I've, what I've, my wife and I have done, you know, since we started this, uh, each week, um, my wife and I donate a very small uh, donation to the organization of my guest choosing, uh, in my guest honor. So later tonight I'll be donating a, uh, a small amount to this awesome. incredible foundation in, in, in your honor. So I'm excited. I certainly do so.
1: appreciate that. They're a great, a really great group. Check them out.
0: You, you know, it, this exercise has, has, has been really interesting because we've, we've had a great number of, of charities been brought to the attention on the show. And I, and I absolutely love it. Um, and it, it's uh, what I've the interesting observation I've had is that there, there are some folks that like they they genuinely want to think about it because they they probably have their interests spread around quite a bit um and then there are people who kind of give me that snap decision because they work so closely and are so devoted to it and you were one of those like i was explaining before i could even ex- finish explaining what the segment was about you were like the emerald lagasse foundation
1: and, and look, uh, there are, i mean there are lots of organizations that we support of course. city harvest um i raised money for years from my high school um which Interestingly enough, over the years I've supported Emerald's events, um, and when I was raising money in my last two years for my high school, Emerald used to donate um, like an Emerald pots and pan set, which I would also I would always auction off for you know decent money, and then he said to me one year, uh, he's like, we're gonna we're gonna kick it up for you this time, and I was like, I don't even know what that means. He's like, I don't <laughs> either, but but we're going to really kick it up. So we ended up auctioning off a night at the Nat Sherman townhouse with Emeril Lagasse for oh. 20 people. And, um, he cooked, he flew to the store with his culinary team. He, he had, he bought in New York, two microwaves, a fry later and two pizza ovens. And we set them up downstairs in the lounge they flew all the food in and he cooked for 20 people hors d'oeuvres in the lounge. <laughs> it was outrageous. That's fantastic. And then he donated again the, the very next year. Oh, I mean, that's, that's you know, again, that, that like community of philanthropy becomes so infectious and, and, and incestuous, not unlike the cigar business. We're very unconventional in the way we support each other, you know, it's, it's really, um, it's not typical. And, you know, when you see his fundraisers, you've got every chef in new Orleans, that is his competitor at his fundraiser, donating, bidding, supporting, volunteering. Uh, It's, it's got a very similar spirit, the same in Mm -hmm. the wine world. It's, people are really rooting for one another. Rising tide, raising all ships is I think something that everyone really believes in. In this, in in this sort of shared space of of passion and taste and experience and flavor and um, and and that, I think that's why we have fit so well in that world of sort of culinary arts and fundraising and philanthropy. Um, and I'm I feel very grateful to to be a part of it. This is your high school
0: in uh, Danielson, uh, Connecticut. Is that correct?
1: I went back to, uh, to the Emerald thing, but yes, I, I raised money for my, my hometown, Danielson, Connecticut, Killingly High School, it's called, for many years.
0: Is it a, because I know you're a musician, is it a, I'm interested, is it, is it? I'm going down a tangent here, but is it a magnet
1: school for no, fine no, arts? It's, or? A, it's a regular public school. Um, uh, about, it used to be up to 1,000 kids. I, I don't think it's quite at 1,000 anymore. Um, we're in a very rural part of Northeast Connecticut and, um, uh, a lot of the graduating class for those who were fortunate enough to graduate, um, many times go right into work, right into trade. So we raised money for a program that helped prepare young people for life after high school, whether that was, whether they had to, whether they left early, uh, for whatever reason, or whether they graduated and went right to work, or whether they went on to post-secondary and then ultimately um, went to work. really all about being, about work readiness whenever that timing is right for you. And we raised, my first year was my 25th birthday. We raised $2,500. The last year, I wanna say it was almost 90,000. And all in, it's right around 450,000 um, over, I don't know, 12 years, I guess. So, you know, we've been able to, in a very small way compared to Emerald, um, we've been able to, you know, directly impact a lot of lives and, uh, and make our young people a lot more prepared for what's in store. And I know Andrew Brennan was watching. He was, um, he's obviously a very dear friend of mine. Um, I should have said that first, but uh, he was always at those parties and always generous and bidding and donating. And, um, you know, he got to see a lot of that impact. Um, so I'm always grateful to him, not just for his friendship, but for supporting that.
0: I, I You know, you mentioned some of the second ago that you're, you were 25 when you started this. You know, when, when shoot, when I was 25, when most 25 year olds, I mean, they think the last thing they're thinking about is, one of the last things on the list probably is raising money for their high school. Um, But that's, that's really awesome that that was such an important call for you. And, it, and, you know, I don't want to put words in Andrew's mouth, but in no short order that, that might've, that might've actually played a role in his, you know, his life now is he's giving back to youth, you know, as a, as a, as a baseball coach and, and, a, and, a, and that's, that probably played a part in, you know, his, you know, his life journey too. So that's kind of also- cool
1: he's also a great man with a great heart i i don't think it was my party i think that was already there otherwise he wouldn't have supported my my efforts in the first place
0: true that no i i've i've had the privilege to get to know him a little bit he was actually a guest on my show very early on too um he's and yeah he uh, he had uh he was also very candid with me and and Coop uh, one time when we, we left you off a list on when a, we were doing a list on our, our show, he, he was like, he uh, was really, really appalled that we, that we left you off of a particular <laughs> list and he let us know it. And I <laughs> know uh, like, was great. like, that's a great, that's a great point, Andrew. We, we, we definitely, and and you know, like we, we fell on the sword there. Cause he was, he was actually, he was very much in the right. Um,
1: and, that's my uh, man.
0: Yeah. Without, without uh, sucking up to him or my guests too much, but that, he was right about that we we definitely missed an opportunity there um so again thank you thank you so much for bringing that charity to our attention really really excited Thanks if you get
1: opportunity to do it
0: absolutely emerald.org very easy uh click the donate button in my facebook page um or simply go to emerald.org and and you can donate to a fantastic cause um you know as we kind of wind down the evening here michael just a few more questions i just wanted to to kind of go in so you know, last time I had you on, we we kind of, we detailed your life story and, and, you know, and we bounced around timelines as I tend to do anyway, but, you know, a theme was kind of brought up in during that show, which was the next chapter and the next chapter and the next chapter. And, and I found myself thinking like that, and this might be presumptive of me, but I, I feel like you're not necessarily there's a lot of people guilty of this in this world, especially today's society, always looking for greener pastures. But from my perspective, and feel free to correct me, you're not necessarily looking for greener pasture. You're looking how to improve the pasture that you're on continuously. And so you're always looking for, again, to, to this next chapter. Is that is that a fair understanding of, of your personality and how you operate?
1: I i I grew up um, with incredible um, family role models and I think specifically about my dad um, who's still alive and well and his dad and um, they both were were super um focused on this idea. I shouldn't say focused. That's, that's not the right word. You gratitude is something, um, that they led with in their life. Um, and so I always in every job I ever had, my, my goal in that job was not necessarily to climb to the top, My goal in that job was to do everything that was expected of me and more to make sure that the person I was working for felt like they were getting their money's worth out of me. And so if I could overperform and over deliver, that was my way of showing gratitude for the fact that they were willing to pay me um, and give me a job. So in looking at the opportunities I've had, there really wasn't an instance where I was eyeballing a new opportunity and was kind of gunning for that. All of the opportunities I've had um, and sort of steps I've taken in my career have all been sort of organic and and evolutionary as, as a result of me just putting my head down and doing my work and trying to do it better than what's expected. For me, it doesn't really matter what I'm doing because that's just my strategy. So I guess you're right. You know, for my, my pasture is, it's me, it's my life. Um, it's my sense of happiness and fulfillment. Um, and that's, that's really core. I, I want to feel fulfilled. I'm a musician. I wanted to play drums. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, because that's just, it's what I loved to do. It's what brought me joy every day. And if I could have, joy in my life every day, then life is good. And that has obviously evolved now into the premium cigar world. But the root of it hasn't changed at all. It's things I love to do with people I love to do them with. And I just want to be able to do that. And so as I started in retail, you know, I was a retail sales guy at Davidoff for, for, exclusively from 2002 to 2006. Like no, no promotion, no any, I did the same job every day for four years. And then in 2006, I got moved, I didn't volunteer, I got moved to be a general manager of another store. But I'm not sure if I had, if I was like looking around trying to see what opportunity there was for me to grow or do something bigger or do something different, I don't know that that opportunity would have come. I'm just not convinced because Mm -hmm. if I was spending all that time looking at all the other opportunities, there's no way I would have been able to overperform on my responsibilities in the role that I had. So, uh, and then those opportunities came because, because of merit, I suppose, because I was the person when, when the people who had the opportunities were looking for who best to give this to, or who did they need to do it? They knew they could give it to the person who was going to deliver and and stay focused and do the do the work and do the job. Um, so that's been the game plan. This has probably been the first time where I had total possession of the decision. You know the the. It was the first time where something actually stopped and closed and I had to come up with a plan for the next thing. Um, but in some weird way, it feels kind of the same um, because Brendan and I were working together and, and we were working closely and we found ourselves in the same boat. And with that level of mutual admiration and, and respect and trust, this opportunity has evolved. Mm-hmm. And um, it as as radically different as it is, obviously. Um, I, I I don't know. It just it feels uh, it feels a lot the same, it really does. Minus the fact that you know we we're no longer giving gratitude to someone for giving us a job. Now we're giving gratitude to our wives for allowing us to do this ridiculous idea of starting a cigar business. Um, but it's, it, my, my focus is no different and my ethic is no different. My philosophy is, is really no different today than it was when I was 16 working in a pharmacy, 18 working in a donut shop. You know, it's, it's all the same. 20 working as a musician, it's just head down and do it the best I possibly can and then make sure that I I, give, I I express my gratitude. And whether that's to someone paying me as an employer to an employee, or whether that's a customer giving me their money and I'm putting it in the register for a bagel, for uh, a donut, for a cigar, someone buying a ticket, someone buying a CD. It's always been that, that balance of, of um, over performing at my best, um, whether on stage or behind a register, be har- performing at my best because someone is giving money, and I have to make sure that what they're getting is more than what they're paying for. That's what we're committed to here. I don't think I answered your question at all. I'm sorry, but no, I, I think he, no, I think he did, and it, it, it brings
0: back, you know, it brings back another story that I've learned about you and. When you moved to Nat Sherman, in, in, in a lot of ways, from a 30,000-foot view, it may have seemed like either a lateral or maybe even a demotion in some sorts because you went from managing two two stores to essentially managing one. Um, there was a lot more to it than that. But again, this, from a 30,000-foot view, that's what Padika could see. And and I actually used your life story in an example. I have a, a, a friend of mine who... Um, and. I won't embarrass him by calling him out by name, but and he's but I've been long on the record that he is hot from job to job to job, always looking for that greener pasture, you know, always looking for the more of the money, the more prestige, the better title, et cetera. And every time he does it, he always asks my advice on it. And I always tell him, like, well, why are you doing this? Like, that's the motive. Of it. Like, why are you why are you doing this? And he always has This different answer, but what it boils down to is the fact that he, you know, he, he's chasing, he's chasing that, he's chasing that, that, that title, he's chasing that, that, that that financial opportunity. There's nothing wrong with that. It really isn't. But I used you the last time that this happened. um, I used, I used you as an example. I said, listen, I happen to, I happen to know somebody that built something incredible because he took a risk and he took an opportunity that, you know, on surface level, from a thirty-thousand-foot view, may have looked like even a demotion, or the very best of, you know, a lateral move, to manage a family business and carry on a legacy and a torch that had been burning for eighty-plus years at the time. And and I, you know, at the end of the conversation, I said, "You have to, you have to ask yourself, you know, what are what are you really chasing?" and when you get to what you're actually wanting if you can answer that question if you actually get it are is are you are, are you ultimately going to be satisfied i'm not talking about happiness that's a that's a little bit more of a philosophical discussion but are you are you really satisfied with what you achieved and i, I really can't answer for him if 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 your story actually triggered something inside of him or not but what i what I will say for myself personally is that, and for, for those listening, I think, I think your story does paint that perspective that, you know, the next pasture isn't always greener necessarily, but the, the opportunities that you have now can open up doors that you didn't even know were there or were even possible. Because, I mean, if you thought about 2011, 2017, the idea of Ferry Ortega was, I mean, wasn't even a glint. I mean, it, right. Right. So
1: I think there's um, look, sometimes it's just personality. I'm an artist. Every day was different. Every gig was different. Every club was different. Every set was different. Every time you played the song, even if it was the same song, it was different. There there are a lot of people that need that constant change, constant new, constant change, something new, 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 new. Punching a clock every day in the same job doesn't work for a lot of people. Um, Where I was able to find that balance was within the routine and the consistency and the dependability of my work. How do I create the new? And as long as I'm delivering on what I need to do, that gives you time to be creative, to think differently, to try and make a new experience, a new event, uh, a new product, depends on where and when in my career I was. But I find that the idea of routine isn't as routine as it may think when you realize that in fact, every day is not a repeat of the day before it Mm -hmm. is completely unique and different and you have to take advantage of that and embrace it and celebrate it and use that that as a as a springboard use that reliability and consistency as a springboard to really highlight and, and embrace and experience the few things that are new and sometimes you have to create that for yourself but Why recreate the whole thing? Mm -hmm. Then you have to reestablish the reliability and and dependability in order to have the foundation and springboard to start doing the really fun, creative new experiences. But then if you jump to another one again, you have to build all that up again. And that just wasn't wasn't for me. It's not that there weren't opportunities to jump because there were. But sure. then that also goes back to my mindset, which was, well, these people have been really good to me and they've given me an opportunity and they pay me and I show up every day. I don't want to leave them to go to another company where even though the job may be different and it might be more money, you know, at its core, I'm doing the same thing. I'm going to show up every day and do work for them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is it is it so much more that I'm going to turn my back on the people that have been good to me? Is it really so much more? Maybe not. Maybe eventually it could be if I just keep springboarding. But I, I'd, I'd much rather be fiercely loyal and overperform, um, and then be uh, hopefully more valuable than you know being uh, temporary to a whole lot of different people.
0: Absolutely. Michael, this is my last question before our curveball segment to conclude the evening. You know, last time we 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 chatted, um, we we kind of went down memory lane a little bit with your name, and its evolution through time, right? You know, if you 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 said that you know if if someone referred to you as Herc, you knew that that was that was somebody from college because that's at or Berkeley Ashton. College or Ashton, and that was that was that. Um, one person uh, said called you a name that I won't repeat just out of just in case if you said it out of a whim you didn't want me necessarily to repeat it but um and then but when you came to Davidoff you became Michael in high school you were always Mike you were just Mike and so and and so since Davidoff and into Nat Sherman we, we we know you as Michael and I don't know if I could ever call you Mike that would just be weird um but you know, as we look, as we, as we're on the, the sunrise of this this beautiful new project that you and Brendan put together in Ferriotego, will Michael just continue or will Michael look differently to the Michael that we knew from Nat Sherman?
1: I actually had this exact conversation, uh, and I may be, uh, I may be talking Exposing confidences, but I'll just tell my part of it with Matt Booth. And i Matt and I are, are incredibly dear friends. And I think, you know, outside looking in, we are probably an unlikely pair <laughs> to be uh, as close as we are. And I said exactly this question to him because I said, you know, I've, I feel like I have evolved as my career has evolved. And so they've been unique moments where I've kind of been able to do a little reset. Um, And I I said to him, I'm really struggling with Ferriotego. Do I need to do that? And his comment to me was, "Um, you've kind of already done it. Like it was already starting before you knew it was starting. um, And so you just need to, just stop thinking about it and just be you, just do what feels right. Because now you're, you're not, you're not um, Michael Herclotz employee X of X company, but Michael Herclotz is Ferio Tego. And so just, just do you, you want to wear a suit, wear a suit. You want to wear sweatpants, wear sweatpants. You, you know, this guy calls you Mike and this guy calls you Michael, like now it doesn't matter. Cause this is the culmination of all of it. And so just go do you. And I was like, yeah, that's that's great. And then so that's, you know, it's funny that I even thought about it, but it, it occurred to me and that also sounds incredibly egotistical and, and vain. Um, but as an artist, you know, every new chapter, every new job is like a new show. And, So you get cast to play a new character. And when you get a new character, you have a new costume. I mean, that's part of the show. Right. And I guess I didn't realize how much that mentality or relationship kind of played a role throughout my career. But I think in hindsight, it probably has played more of a role than I recognized. Um, But now I think this is, this is the most comfortable I've ever felt. Where I can just, I can just be me, and I and uh, and it is what it is. And if if I'm dressed up because that's how I'm feeling, that's what we're gonna do. And the and the um, if the opportunity or the or the situation calls for a suit. I'm in a suit. If I'm in Texas and it's summer, a year ago I would have worn a suit, shirt, and tie. This year, I'm not gonna do it. Vegas, perfect example. I've never been to the IPCPR, PCA or RTDA in my life, not in a suit. And I didn't wear a suit this time. I didn't feel like it was authentic in the moment to what we were offering and doing and talking about, just didn't feel right, so I didn't do it. And I've never felt more authentic in my life than I did at this show. So I think moving forward, what, you, what you're going to see is what you're going to get. The handcuffs are off. Handcuffs are off. I love it. Michael, I,
0: I, again, can't thank you enough for your time tonight. I have, my last question, of course, is always our curveball segment. And it, I always recognize that Sunday is family time. You're, a, you're on a family retreat as it is right now. You know, you're with family and it took time after, uh, after the PCA to, to spend some time with family and you still sat down with me for a couple hours and, I know, the, I know the girls are probably in bed or should be in bed. Um, Everyone's
1: sleeping, so bring it. So,
0: so I greatly appreciate um, the time that you took tonight. So um, so the Curveball segment, which is always sponsored by Dunbarton and Tobacco and Trust. Fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park six consecutive years in the consensus top three. Yeah, I looked it up and I even got fact-checked on it too. So to that point... We were just talking about Michael, if it's no more jacket, if it's no more tie, what is the new Michael Herklotz signature? It could be a tire, could be a phrase, could be a hairdo, could be facial hair. I'd be fond. I'd be great if you'd just grow a beard. That'd be fantastic.
1: I can't. (laughs) It's all patchy in here. I got no connectors. It's really it's not good. You got the soul patch, man. You worked the shit out of that. So it's all good. Took me a long time to grow. I'm afraid to shave it off. I'm afraid it won't come back. <laughs> uh, you said before this idea that I'm, I'm candid and that I'm as candid as i can be sometimes i can't be and then i responded i've always been as candid as i was able to be um but now i really hope that the that the the new me um is very clearly authentic And that people um, are able to to pull, to extract from me um, my genuine appreciation and gratitude for the last 20 years. And that's customers I helped at Davidoff on Madison Avenue, um, contract manufacturing partners people I've worked with doing these fundraisers. My life is so great and I am so blessed because of other people. There's no way I would be on this show with you and talking about a new company um, that we formed if it weren't for infinite amounts of, uh, support people propping me up with something as simple as a direct message saying, Hey man, you know, we're thinking of you or, uh, Hey, I really liked your post or that, you know, a text message, a phone call, uh, a return customer, all those things have all become this, this radically huge, complicated equation that equals Michael Herklotz in 2021. And I appreciate and recognize that through the lens solely of social media, it's very easy to leap to a conclusion about someone. And in fairness, I have deliberately, I deliberately Craft my social media um, to make sure that I'm delivering a very clear message, and that can that can come across as arrogant and egotistical and vain um, if I'm in a suit every day. I totally get that, but I hope, and it's really why I appreciate platforms like this and the opportunities to come on. Um, is that more and more I'm able to just be me and to be open and to be transparent and to be authentic. And 100% some of my authenticity is my vanity and ego. I, I mean, I, I get it. How can it, it just is, um, but it's not what defines me. And I hope that now through opportunities like this and opportunities to be uh, with customers and, and friends Um, I hope that I'm able to demonstrate the most authentic version of me. And that's not a suit. It's also not a sweat. It's not sweatpants (laughs) and it's not a baseball hat. And, you know, it's, it's whatever it is in the moment because it's, it's inside. That's, that's the me. And so I guess hopefully more of my inside, is more visible on the outside will be the new, um, the new attire. Perfect.
0: Absolutely perfect. I know it will be for the record. um, I've never thought of you as vain and anyone that knows you for more than five seconds knows that you're not because vanity is someone person who's vain is someone who's rooted in only themselves. And if there's anything that you've demonstrated over your 20 plus years in the business, Michael,
1: is that you care about everybody, but yourself. I care about everybody and myself. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I appreciate you saying that. And I appreciate you having me on, especially right after the show. Um, And I really appreciate coming on on your first show after the show and not just talking about the show. This was a great opportunity to, to, while things are fresh, talk about all the things that we're doing and the things we're excited about and also how we got here. Because um, if we learned anything in the show, it's that a lot of people are still learning our story. And that means that we have to just keep telling it as thoughtfully and, and um, openly as we possibly can. So having a couple hours with you certainly, I think, uh, helps that cause a lot.
0: Well, thank you, Michael. Yeah, this is the second trade show in a row where I was able to get the exact guest that I wanted to follow the trade show with. And, and you were, you humbled me with, uh, with your time and, and appearing on it. So I'm grateful for that. So thank you very much.
1: Once again, let's just lock it in after every show. I'll just be the guest. How about that?
0: I'm okay with that.
1: <laughs> you can go in lock.
0: I'm kidding. I, I think you. I think I think we can come to an agreement with that. I,
1: I I'm up for that. I'm awesome. up for that. At least close. I'm sure other people would love to be first after the show, but at least close after the show, we can do a recap and touch base.
0: I I can agree to that if you can. Good I'm up for Except it. Except we
1: just have to make sure that we coordinate dress code, and I'm in a place where can yes. smoke.
0: Yes, exactly. Yes, we we will we will communicate accordingly on that. Yeah, hopefully, ne- hopefully next time um, I will be in a situation where I won't be in the uh, the depths of the depths of Hades with the heat. So uh, for sure. Uh, also, appreciating our audience tonight for sticking with us. Really appreciate all your time, all your likes, all your shares, all your comments. They've been fantastic tonight, as always. Remember, if you are tuning to, tuning later on, you can always catch us on our Facebook page. Hola, supermar. Stay tuned for a calendar of upcoming guests. We've got some incredible, credible guests lined up in the coming weeks. Really excited to share with you, including next week's guest, Mr. Klaus Kellner. Klaus will be in session, uh, and we'll have him on for our 177th take next week. It'll be a fantastic one for sure. We'll have some other guests that's coming along. Well, you can check us out on YouTube, I'll also Fumar as well. And if you are checking us out on wherever you listen to podcasts later on, just listening up be sure you download, subscribe, and you review wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, make sure you download, subscribe, and review. If you already are a subscriber, do me a favor unsubscribe really quick, but don't forget to hit the resubscribe button because that helps me get, that helps my numbers and helps me continue to get great guests like Mr. Her class this evening. So greatly appreciate everyone out there. As always, this was our 176th take. It's I'm Bair yeah. live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Euless, Texas. Guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time.